Hey, peace and blessings to you. My name is Jerry B. I am the Entree Musician, and so are you. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Entree Musician Podcast. This is the space where we concentrate on the mindset, discipline, and focus of the Entree Musician. This week, no exception, we are continuing our conversation we began last week with the Hazel Rig Brothers out of Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Incredible approach to recording as we are in this little uh, series, which has turned out to be a massive one, entitled You and Your Band. We've talked about recording your recording, and this is part two of a case study of a band, a jazz trio, who does it right in their approach, in their method, in how they think about the song and how they want to capture the sounds. You will learn so much. If you didn't get to part one, you can go back to that podcast, that episode, and begin there. But George and his brother Joff Hazelrig are extremely excellent musicians. You will love their music. I've put all the descriptions about their band and their website in the show notes. So absolutely check it out. And without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive right in. We did a uh, conversation. We had a conversation back uh, some time ago, and uh, they thankfully and graciously allowed me to ply them with more questions this time. We're going to talk with them and go even deeper than we did last time. But first, we have to talk about vocal. Vocal is the only beverage on the planet designed to soothe, refresh, and restore your voice if you talk all day or sing all night, you definitely want to get yourself some vocal. You got to go to drinkvocal.com to learn more. Your voice is the only instrument you can't buy. I'm talking with some brothers who make some incredible instruments, some wonderful preamps, but they can't buy a voice. So you got to get vocal. Drinkvocal.com. I am sitting here once again with the Hazel Rig brothers. Now, I asked him a question. You got to go and watch the video before. I asked a question. I said, which one are you guys? So the sarcastic one sitting by the piano started playing and said, hey, I'm George. I mispronounced the name of this incredible bass player, which I promise to never do again. His name is Joff. They are incredible musicians. They are huge innovative thinkers and it's my pleasure to know them welcome back guys thank you for your time again yeah thanks, thanks for having Jerry. us back i really appreciate you guys now where do we where do we pick up because i asked the question before i said you know who uh takes the lead in picking up the songs that you do uh what do you most agree on but i want to ask the question backwards this time and say what do you disagree on as brothers <laughs> Good way to start. <laughs> Is that well? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we're generally on the same page. Yeah, I mean, like you know, we mentioned last time how our the songs take shape and the arrangements. You know, we yeah, we spend a lot of time really. I don't, it's, it's like a research project, you know what I mean? Mm. You get inside the music, you get inside whatever it is we're doing, and we, we want to figure out 
even if it's like the electronic thing is the same it's like figuring out the best way to get from where we're at to the ultimate final product you know that's really interesting because I've watched a lot of interviews with other famous brothers, of course, the Brothers Johnsons, the Almond Brothers Band, the Kinks, you know what I mean? And they kind of, because of the music, I don't know what it is, uh, that gene really connects them. They have fewer arguments or disagreements or fights. But, you know, I figured I would start with that question because if there was something that like, well, you know, I don't like this or, you know, uh, or he really gets on my nerves when but <laughs> you guys have the default question now. Yeah, it's, it's never really about the artistic direction so much as, I mean, it's kind of like what Joff was saying about trying, it, you, you, you delve into this stuff and try to figure out, well, all right, how are we going to MacGyver our way out of here with a three-way light bulb and a stick of chewing gum, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and the only time that it really kind of gets heated is when things just aren't working technically. Uh, when I say but you're not heated, you're not heated at each other. You're just heated because the process is not going. I, I, I mean, it, it escalates about twice a year. <laughs> I don't know, or you know, but I burnt myself with a soldering iron, and now, now I'm in a bad mood. And, uh, but it, it, it really, I, I would say that that's where where the, the real tense things, tension comes from is when we're we're trying to execute an idea and it's not working and it's not working because I don't know how to play that way. Um, so, which means either one of two things, I either have to learn how to play that way or I've got to, we've got to change what we're doing so that I don't have to play that way. Um, and I, I think that works the same for for you probably too yeah and you know the other thing too that i think is worth mentioning is having john in our group uh having a, someone who's capable and willing to listen and willing to go with the with the ideas that were thrown at him uh that that makes for a much smoother operation too mm -hmm. you know it's like when you when you're trying to get to a common place and somebody on the team is like no man i want to go over there right and like tell you what go over there and <laughs> we'll see you later <laughs> you know? now how much is this john and we're talking uh so the audience would know we're talking about john o'reilly jr who's the incredible drummer for the hazel rig brothers now how much of a contribution beyond his talent does he bring to the arrangement does he bring to the writing process yeah, I mean, I think at this point he brings a lot. You know, initially, when he when he started playing with us, we already had a lot of the material established and and a sound and a direction. Um, so it was like defining the guidelines that he had to fit within. You know, we expect you to do this. We expect you not to do this. And uh, you know, I I always compare it to sort of we've got our own dialect, and he had to. Pick up learn the language. Yeah, exactly. Learn the language. And then and now that he speaks it, it's like, all right, we're gonna play this song. It's gonna be this tempo. And we're thinking sort of a feel like this. Go. And you know, 90% of the time, he's right in the same mindset that we're at, where he's right there with us. Yeah, and when he's not, I'll say, Hey John, you know, you think you can, can we try to do something kind of like this? And he'll say, No. 
<laughs> and then he'll do it like perfect. <laughs> oh man, I, I'd love to. I'd love to meet him uh, one day. I, I really think he's. Uh, he he really is the glue to the sound that you guys uh, put together. I mean, you guys fit like this, and uh, he was perfect right out, off the bat. It was you know four years ago now. We <laughs> one cold December. He we had a gig on Saturday night, and it was Tuesday night, and we had rehearsal with his predecessor. Um, who got up and walked out. Um, Not during the gig. During, no, 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 during, during rehearsal. rehearsal. Oh, during the rehearsal. No, but gotcha. we've had that happen too. Okay. Um, Understood. And, and uh, it, I think he just hit his frustration point. Actually, I think this, it was, this guy had just, he felt like, well, to hell with this. He, what his comment was, why do you always have to, why do you guys always have to try to make things better? <laughs> That, okay. That's a quote. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you have so, to try to make things better? So was, I have no, I have no comment. I'm just speechless. That that was Tuesday morning. We called three guys to try to get Saturday covered. Um, and John was the first guy to call back, and he learned the entire repertoire by the that. Saturday and nailed it. It was like the best gig we had done to date. Mm, wow! And so, yeah, it was pretty clear that that was that was going to work. That's yeah. fantastic. So, so now, did you guys uh, just put out the call, or had either of you played with John prior to? We had. I don't even. I don't think we'd ever met face to face. We had some we, acquaintances. We, we, I think we met him at the. We met yeah, him at the jam it. session. There's that. There's this Sunday night jam session that happens in Doylestown every every week. And, uh, I see. And we're often either in the house band or just hanging out, you know, having gin martini. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, in our last conversation together, George said he started playing when he was three years old. Uh, but, um, you know, what happened with you, Jeff? Did that, I, mean, I don't know how much younger you are than your brother, but what I'm, age did you start? I'm four years younger. I, uh, I started playing violin probably around six or seven um, and played a bunch of other instruments along the way to bass. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like we both, like he, my brother mentioned, we both sang in the in the choir. Mm-hmm. That was really a big thing, you know, uh, because having the developing our ear really is 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 such a huge thing, a huge part of being a musician. You know, sure. so many pro musicians. You, hey man, how does that go? It goes like this. I don't know. Can you can you write that down or like can you hear this stuff? You, sure. You guys are supposed to be professional musicians and you can't hear anything? Yes, yeah, singing is how you learn yeah. how to do that stuff. That's true. Yeah. And I, I really think the discipline of uh, being in a choir where you're forced to listen to the entire spectrum, you're forced to pay attention to what the director or directress is doing, mm-hmm. you know, it really does discipline. Absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah. You have to function as a part of an ensemble, you know? And, and that's, I think that's another part of the philosophy in our group is that you know you see so many groups nowadays it's like oh superstar number one and superstar number two got together with superstar number three and now they've got a band 
and they put out an album and then like the guy over here wants to tour it but he can't get the other two guys because they're two big stars and they're too busy and and then if you go and you see him live anyway it's like they're all three playing their own individual solos you know what i mean and at the same time yeah right and you're not it's not like an ensemble sure. you know it's not like the parts are greater yeah. you know yeah. together so i, I it's interesting that you say that because we were talking, I was talking with a bunch of friends the other day about some of the worst albums that we uh, had listened to. And there's this one I won't mention because I, I love each one of these musicians individually. But these three stu superstar bass players, if you have ears, then you know who I'm talking I, about. I've heard the album too. And it's, I know, I know. Here you I go. Know. Okay, so we'll move on, right? You know, it's, it's, it's amazing because you think, you know, you're going to the store or ordering it from Amazon and you're expecting this, and you go, what happened? You had 12 songs and not one of them. It's like product for the sake of product. You know what I mean? We'll move on. We'll move on. As far as you guys are concerned, uh, jazz seems to be kind of like the central thing that you're known for. We talked last time about, you know, growing up and listening to all these wonderful uh, influences that were just on the radio and everywhere. So you have that download. But do you have, either of you or together, a favorite style of music that you kind of default to when you're down, when you're in your car, when you're not on the way to a gig, when you're not thinking about working? Do you have a favorite style? I listen to my engine when I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. You just want that quiet, huh? Oh, it's not quiet. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, Joff, you have a favorite? No, I've got a couple CDs that make their way through my CD changer in my car, but nothing specific. Mm -hmm. You know, and the, the other thing I feel like I should mention too is that, you know, what how other musicians see us, I think, totally depends on where we are geographically. Because I don't I mean, Philadelphia is a jazz town in a, in a very traditional swinging jazz kind of way. I don't see it as a jazz town in a modern jazz kind of way because I don't think they accept the... I mean, there's some pretty heavy modern jazz guys in our region, and they don't sort of get the same acceptance in in the Philadelphia jazz scene. I, I don't know that we fit into the Philadelphia jazz scene in the traditional kind of way. Huh. But I can also tell you that, like, you know, so I, I always thought a lot of people consider us more like rock guys, you know? But when, I think when we lived in, in the D.C. area, which we lived there for a long time, the guys there really considered us like straight ahead players. Yeah, like yeah. heavy jazz they, guys. They, we were we were sort of thought of, and I'm not sure that that would be the case anymore. But because that was that was an urban jazz scene. I mean, that was like DC is oh, yeah. the, the home of go go and and, yeah. and and some of the best musicians in the country, man. Like sure, there. sure, and, absolutely. Um, and that was that sort of thing. So if I'm playing like a anything that sounds like a bebop line they're like oh yeah he's just a straight ahead player 
<laughs> well, you guys have played with uh, Dennis Chambers, who's one of the hardest funking drummers that there are out there. Uh, Chester Thompson. I mean, so you you've gotten your feet wet with a lot of different drummers, a lot of different beats, rhythms, and styles. And you know, again, look, I, I'm I'm saying go out and get songs we like if you haven't heard it because you're going to hear this potpourri of beautiful influences that you just your your approach is dynamic i'm trying not to flower you up too much guys but i really <laughs> do i really do dig your work and we talked about your dad uh a little bit in the last segment that we did but your mom was she musical or is she musical? You talked about your grandmother being able to play duets. Played a little bit. I mean, she was, I guess, sort of. She was musically literate to a, to a degree. Yeah, I don't think she ever played anything seriously, though. No, but she had piano chops. Yeah. She just didn't. She didn't exercise. She didn't break that stuff out very yeah, often. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Actually, yeah. I remember being pretty surprised one day when I watched her reading through something on piano. Hmm. Do that. So is there any Hazel Rig sisters? No. No, it's just 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 us. That's 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 very cool. Now we talked a little bit uh before and, and uh Joff was uh kind enough to show us one of your incredible preamps with respect to uh Hazel Rig Industries. Is preamps all you manufacture or is there other modes of electronics that you get into as well? Well, Hazel Rig Industries started as uh, uh, a deal where we we licensed uh, circuit designs from uh, from Doug Fern. I see, um, I see. In order for us to launch kind of a lower line, a more affordable line of of, of products for him. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure it's turned out to be exactly that. I mean, there are aspects to these things that the the, the preamp that we make that's less expensive. But it's really pretty much just packaging, um, <laughs> and probably the profit margin is, is is even more narrow than than our regular stuff, which is already you know minuscule. Um, that's this is a this is an aspect of our gear, right? Because it's just so ex extraordinarily expensive, mm -hmm. um, and and people say, oh, you guys, you, it's it's you know it's so much money, but it's like actually you know if you break it down to what's in the box and what it costs to put it together and what, what we've had to go through to do it. Actually, you're getting a pretty high percentage of mm -hmm. money, money worth, you know, just in terms of parts that go into this stuff. So, um, but so, right. So uh, after manufacturing that stuff for a year, Doug said, you know, I don't want to do this dealing with dealers and customer service and manufacturers, you know, vendors all the time anymore a bunch of guys just here's the company run this <laughs> um, so we took it over he he still does design with us um, and also produces records with us um, Doug is the most brilliant audio engineer I have ever met by a long shot and that's saying a lot because we've known some really brilliant audio engineers and he's just expanded our years and and yeah i mean he really shaped the way that we made songs songs we like mm -hmm. yeah wow yeah 
That's that's great. So he's a, he's a part of that team that that mm -hmm. helps you get your. Now, does he go out live with you guys, or do you uh, have a problem with? Uh, I, I don't want to say a problem, but uh, do you find it odd the different venues that you perform in, from the sound guy to the next sound guy? You know, our our whole thing is pretty simple. So it's it's and it's self-explanatory. So it's it's we we don't have particularly bad luck with that. That's good. That's good. Because I mean, you you are perfectionist in in the fact that you want the sound that you want. You know, uh, was there a was there ever a situation where you had like the worst gig ever? Uh, we had a worst gig ever. Uh, I mean, nothing comes to mind. Not with the trio. I mean, look, we've had some pretty bad, bad gigs days. in our careers. Um, well, let me ask you this question, Dan. Why you why you have that filtering on? You've worked as producers, you've worked as session guys, uh, you've toured with other artists. Uh, as far as the Hazel Rig Brothers as recording artists, what has been your most valuable lesson as far as the music industry or the music business is concerned? Uh. not to listen to anybody's opinion about what it is that we should be doing. Excellent. Um, I mean, I've even had friends who, you know, whose opinions I value say recently, oh, well, have you guys thought about doing this? Or have you guys thought about doing that? I mean, that happened twice this week. Um, yes, I've thought about it. and. And uh, and secondly, no, <laughs> this is what we're doing, and and it's funny, you know. Um, we haven't gotten to this point yet, but I suspect we will, mm -hmm. or at least I hope we will, or at least we bet the farm, so we better. Um, and that is, I think people when when they get where they're going, the people who's who who's who talk about them you know, being as being successful people say, oh, well, you know, they stuck to their guns. They believed in what they were doing. Uh, you know, they, they didn't follow a crowd. They didn't, you know, they didn't conform to what the record company wanted or whoever, whatever. And in the end, it paid off. The problem is until it pays off, nobody believes you. That's true. Um, but that's true. You can't fake stuff. I mean, you can't fake it in any industry, but you, you get into the arts, you can't just jump into something and do it because you think that that's going to be profitable. Exactly. That just doesn't work. That's good. You know what I mean? If you want to be a smooth jazz saxophone player, you better really like doing that. Right. You know, right. you can't be some straight ahead guy who wants to make money. Yeah. That's not going to work. We've heard it many times on radio, too. You know, where it's like, I don't hear any heart in that. Right. It's not, okay. yeah, things that aren't genuine. It's the same seven chords as the last record. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, and, thing, and things that are fashionable are, are exactly that. They come and they go. And, 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 you know, somebody can be considered a genius this year and five years down the line, you know, not so much. I mean, and then, and then again later. Sure, I mean, sure. I, I I was completely appalled when I when this whole thing came out when somebody 
called for Phil Collins to retire. Like it's time for you to retire. And like what, what, what part of the cycle are we possibly in that you would even suggest something like that about somebody who's, you know, just a monumental genius, you know, yeah, yeah. and has contributed so much for so long in the business that, well, okay, well, there, he, there it was. It hit a lull in the cycle and, and, you know, I mean, God knows what, what that guy's going to do in, in the future. He's got a lot of years left of being able to produce great things. I, uh, I didn't hear that comment. I, I'm appalled by it. I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, wow. John O'Reilly was talking about, uh, he'd read Phil's uh, autobiography, and he mentioned that and how he had become depressed over that. Um, I mean, this guy was a teenager when they were doing timeless records. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Genesis really set the standard. I mean, oh my God. Let's not even, I mean, I don't even know if we want to go down the, the, when we talk about innovation and approach and just yeah. what you can do with a song oh, and yeah. to me, Genesis, and I'm a kid, man, listening to this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like taking a sponge and squeezing every ounce mm -hmm. of life you can out of it. I mean, what, I don't know who said it. I don't want to know. I won't read the article, <laughs> but that's that's terrible because he yeah, is absolutely. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, I just watched a. Uh, there's a maybe an hour long documentary on him uh, on Phil uh, for a, what was his solo record? It's something like a face face value or whatever. Uh, it was the studio was, thing. All yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, his big hit solo record from uh, one from of that them. time period from well, the eighties. No, no, it was the other. It was the yeah. other one. Uh, the one with his face on it, which was great because it, every third scene is Chester Thompson. You know, when he's whatever in his twenties, I guess. Yeah. You know, playing, playing, uh, playing in the background. You know, wow. he, was, he was Phil's right hand guy. You know, for as far as drum drums were concerned. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. When they were doing the double thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. It's good. Good. Excellent. Excellent stuff. I think he. Um, he adopted that from the Earth, Wind, and Fire because at the same time he was using Earth, Wind, and Fire horns and whatnot. Right, yeah. You know? So when Earth, Wind, and Fire had the double drummer, he took that Chester Thompson concept. And mm -hmm. I think he did really good. I know that when I saw them on that tour, mm -hmm. that, <laughs> you know, Chester would be like funking it up. Mm -hmm. But when Phil sat down on the kit, that whole, I mean, that mix just went like, oh, you knew. Phil Collins was now behind the kit, man. It was yeah. it was a great, yeah. great show. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Now, here's where I want to ask, because I don't want the 30 minutes to get away from us, but what question did you wish I asked? Like, this Jerry is just not with it today. Like, I wish he would ask me this. And do you want to say this about the Hazel Rig brothers or about what's next for you guys or whatever it is? There was a question you thought I should ask and I haven't asked it. I don't know. I've been interjecting my own ideas in there all along. But that's good. That makes for a great conversation. Well, then let me ask you this then, uh, because the last time we were together, we were talking about a concept album that you were working on. Didn't want to give away the title and absolutely uh, yeah, yeah. respect it. But is there something about this project that you can tell me that either intrigues you or, you know, is there something we can expect? We're 
we're covering an entire record, a significant one, front front to back. Excellent. A well-known record. Um, and it's it's challenging. Mm. And it's, you know, it's a rock band. Mm -hmm. um, and you wouldn't think, okay, well, I mean, you, you, you think in terms of serious music, like, okay, this is a classical work. This is very difficult. I'm playing Rachmaninoff. This is very difficult. Um, I'm working with, I'm, you know, trying to play Thelonious Monk or, 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 I don't know, some, something technically difficult in jazz. You don't think of, oh, well, this is this rock band. This is, this is technically difficult music, but there's one arrangement that we worked on for six years. Mm. And it took until the week before we cut it for me to be able to play it. That's excellent. Put it out and get to the point where I thought, oh, there it is. I played it. That's excellent. Now you have me really, really curious. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't sound it doesn't sound that difficult. It doesn't it doesn't come off like some, you know, technical monster or anything. It's just, it's just how you, it turned out. Do you have a release date for it? No, no. Um, we're not exactly sure what we're, we're going to do with this one because it's this one's really special, mm -hmm. and um, we have an artist friend who's a, an amazing artist in, in Princeton who's doing the cover for us, um, and we're probably going to reach out to these guys to sort of see if they like it and if they've got ideas about how we should move forward with it. We we haven't, at this stage, what we want to do is just get it done to the point that we're happy with it. Understood. Yeah. Or, any any um, endeavor, future endeavor for a live album at some point? I told you uh, that I saw a lot of live stuff on uh, YouTube, which was just really intriguing. You You plan on capturing that for a project? I think that'd be really fun. You know, again, it's sort of finding the, the venue that would work for us though. Mm -hmm. You know, even like a big stage or something, it, sometimes it's too big. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I think that'd, that'd be a fun challenge, you know? Yeah. We did a little bit, of, we did a recording slash recital in, um, in a beautiful studio in, in outside of DC, uh, Tonal Park which is uh, owned and operated by uh, Charlie Pilzer, who's uh, a good friend of ours and, and uh, mastering engineer extraordinaire, um, well-known guy. I mean, he's, he's got Grammys for doing that kind of work. Um, wow. And, uh, and we did uh, a little concert in his studio back in the spring. Um, and there, there are a couple of videos of that on, on um, you know, up online. Just search for us on YouTube or whatever. Um, and we talked about carving out, uh, you know, recording out of that. Uh, 
but uh, yeah, I mean, th what you're describing is 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 actually kind of a potentially an impromptu situation because we can grab what's sitting in this room and be able to go pull off something like that from an engineering standpoint. Um, sure. So, I don't know. Actually, that's a great idea. We'll we'll, we'll think more about that. And uh, one last thing is I mentioned before, because you guys are so much into electronics and, and, and have worked on electronic instruments with another band, uh, but is there any future projects where the Hazel Rick Brothers, that trio, will embrace some electronics? It's like the first time that Chick Corea came out with the Fender Rhodes. We've talked about it. And in fact, it's come up in discussion even recently. Mm. Um, and so I, I would say, yeah, probably. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, there's there are a couple things about it. Um, I mean, Joff started out as an electric bass player. I mean, that's he went to school at UArts and studied under Gerald Veasley, and and he, it, before that, his mentor was Reggie Washington, and who's an amazing. Uh, yeah. And that uh, I mean, how long you been playing upright? Um, I mean, seriously playing upright, maybe eight years or so. so. Um, for me, like if I play Hammond, I am not a jazz organist. I, I, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a jazz organist. I, 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 I do a lot of sessions as sort of a rock or pop organ player. Mm -hmm. uh, and that I, that I can do, um. But uh, you're your own worst critic, though. I would think that, you know, uh, somewhere down the road after you've done uh, this project, this concept album, and you've done the live thing, and you guys pick up electric just because you want to do it, I think something absolutely fantastic would come out of it. I mean, again, in winding this conversation up, because 30 minutes, what can you say? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, but uh, here's the thing that I want to leave for everyone who watches this conversation. First of all, go back and watch the first. Secondly, go to hazelrigbrothers.com and learn more about these incredible musicians. I am a huge fan of innovation. I'm going to continue to repeat that. But you guys, really, your approach is one that, you know, you, you think you've heard it all. You really do. And uh, you get on the show with Trish Hennessy, who's interviewing the Hazelrig brothers. And wait a minute, I haven't heard it all. Because here are some songs that I, too, like. And here's an incredible approach. So I can't say enough about your artistry. I can't say enough about the sounds that I hear coming out of my speakers and you have the hand on it. And I know you're going to be a household name one day. You've paid your dues, you've done your thing. And there's much more that I know the Lord has in store for you guys. I, I just know it. Well, thanks, Jerry. That, that means a lot coming from you because you're quite the artist in your own right, for sure. I'm no John O'Reilly Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, that concludes uh, this episode and this little detour off of the recording you're recording, which is a part of the entire series entitled You and Your Band. We really have done uh, an extensive job of trying to get you to think about everything. If you're beginning a band, if you've been in a band for 20 years, uh, 
those elements that you really have to navigate through to make your band continue to tick from conception to your definition of success. I really do appreciate you joining us. We have a few more episodes to go, and then we will call it quits on this series, but we're doing it without regret because, again, we have been as thorough as we can possibly be. We look forward to seeing you next time, but not before we ask you to do a couple things. Number one, please like, subscribe, share this podcast. Tell everybody you know, tell 120 people you don't know. Uh, just make it a game. Uh, you, you know, when you're when you're out and about, just say, hey, do you listen to the Entree Musician podcast? Just to see that look on your face. They may look at you like you're crazy, but you tell them how much fun you're having. And if they're a musician, they should be listening in as well, right? You can go to theentreemusician.com, reach out to me directly at theentreemusician at gmail.com and or text me directly at 330-718-JERE. That's 718-JERE. That would be really, really cool if you did that. Uh, I will always dialogue with you. have been doing it. 100% response rate. If you are so inclined, we do receive donations. The Cash App link is in the show notes. Whatever you can give is very, very cool. It helps us to continue to do great work for great entree musicians, providing great resources and podcasts like these. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. And uh, man, you know, the horizon looks very, very good. It's been some treacherous times that we've been dealing with. Yes, I won't even go down that rabbit trail because (laughs) it's a lot to talk about, a lot to unpack, but... I want you to know how much I appreciate you. I want to bless you. I want you to be safe. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be strong. And let's be unified. Brotherhood to brotherhood, sisterhood to sisterhood. My name is Jerry B. I am the Entree Musician. But so are you. We will see you next time. God bless. God bless.